I can expect provision. I prefer provision to discipline. So I want to be able to do that. And so we've covered a whole bunch of things. We'll read some scriptures of the things that we've covered uh, just because I think this is so vitally important. Um, but the, the other thing that's vitally important to understanding this is that God's love is unconditional. It doesn't matter how far into rebellion you are, God still loves you. It doesn't matter how disobedient you are, God still loves you. Doesn't matter how mad at God you are, He still loves you. His love is unconditional. You cannot overcome the love of God with anything you do, you think, you say. You can't. His love is unconditional. But the promises, the vast majority of the promises, are conditional upon us doing our part to receive. The promises. So we've covered all kinds of things. Started in Romans 10, verse 9. We'll just read little snippets of the things that we covered over the weeks. That if, that if, this is our first if, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. If you are willing to take your stand and say, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord, when people ask you, so what do you think? You say, well, I think Jesus is Lord. He's King of Kings. He's risen from the grave. He is, he is my Lord. And you believe in your heart that it's actually true. Then you'll be saved. Hallelujah. This is a very, very important if because salvation is conditional. Jesus died on the cross for every human being on this planet. Not every human being is saved. Ooh, it's conditional. I have to respond to what God has done for me. We talked about being saved from what? Saved from our past sins so that we no longer are in guilt and shame. We can stand in the righteousness of Christ. Saved from other people's sins. This is very, very important. Um, so many times people are shaped and molded by this dark world, you know, conform to the image of this world and they take on dark things in their heart because of the evil that's been perpetrated against them and against those that they love. And so they're changed by that. Now it's good to become wise. That's important. But what we don't want is to have someone else's sin shape me into who I am. I refuse to let somebody else's sin make me who I am. I am created by God with a purpose and this other person's sin isn't going to make me bitter, isn't going to make me angry, isn't going to make me uh, afraid of God. I'm not going to let that happen. I am going to be free from that person's sin. We talked about that process. And then, of course, free from committing future sins. Now, I've never known anybody, and I'm not holding my breath, who has never sinned again. You know, I got saved, and I've been absolutely perfect ever since. You know, that just isn't the deal. However, we're not doomed to repeat our same mistakes over and over in our same life cycles of destruction. We're not doomed to repeat that. We get free from that, and we get to walk into newness of life. We conquer one thing, now we got the next thing to deal with. We conquer that, we got the next thing. Then we have a... a recidivism problem, then we conquer that. We come back. And so we're making progress. We're getting better. So Jesus came to save us from sin. We talked about Cain's crossroads in Genesis 4, 7. Let's just read that real quick. We're going to crank through these. Uh, God is talking to Cain. He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? It's the first if in the Bible. And it's true for us too. If we do what's right, will God not accept us? Is everyone accepted by God? 
Well, if, if you do what's right, if you, if you allow yourself to be reconciled to God, then you are accepted by God. Everyone has that possibility, but you have to open yourself up to God. You have to do what's right. You have to allow the sacrifice of Christ to be your sacrifice, and then you are accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. We have to master these things or they're going to cause destruction on our lives. Cain did not master the sin in his heart, the jealousy in his heart, so he killed his brother. And so Eve became the mother of a, of a murderer and her other boy was dead. The consequences of sin aren't just for me. If I do something, it hurts everybody else in my world. Cain brought destruction on Eve's family. It's terrible stuff. 2 Chronicles 7.14, fantastic stuff. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Do we need healing in the United States of America? Amen. Hallelujah. We've got a promise that God will hear and heal our land if we do four simple things. What if we don't do those things? Well, then we've got no reason to believe that God's going to take care of us. But if we humble ourselves and pray, seek His face, and turn from our wicked ways, then we have a promise that God will intervene. Hallelujah for that. How about we get busy humbling ourselves Praying, seeking God's face, and turning away, repenting from our wicked ways, and then God will come in. Matthew 21 22, an amazing, amazing verse we spent some time on. If you believe, you will receive whatever you asked for in prayer. How about that one? If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, I think that takes a little unpacking as they like to say there's a, there's things to understand because you can just be presumptuous like uh given the example of turning the subwoofer into gold how about we just could god let me ask this question could god turn the subwoofer to gold yeah how about right now could god turn the subwoofer to gold absolutely he's totally capable of that so if we believe hard enough does he have to we believe super hard and then we can control god Not at all. I don't have the ability to control God. I have the ability to access His promises by faith. And so if He has made the promise to turn the subwoofer to gold, then we can believe for that and it'll happen. But He hasn't made that promise that we can turn material things to gold. He has made a lot of promises though and we can access those promises by faith and we can receive those things. And so there's some details involved in that one, but let me tell you, there are things you think are impossible that through Christ, are just there for the taking. They're not just possible, but they're there. John 8, 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So if you do what I say, then you're my disciples. Not if you hear what I say, you're my disciples. If you do what I say, you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
If you do what I say, you'll learn practical knowledge through experience, and that practical knowledge that you've gained through experience, you'll be able to use in your life to bring yourself to a place of freedom. Hallelujah. Have you ever battled to forgive someone who had hurt you? Bible clearly says we're supposed to forgive. If you battle through that, you realize it's not just a simple choice. You don't just choose to forgive. I've tried to forgive people and then, you know, next week, nope. <laughs> if I had forgiven them, this, this desire to choke them wouldn't be in my heart. So clearly I've not succeeded. There are things I need to work through. And so then you realize, okay, it's not just a choice. This is a battle. This is something we need a miracle heart change from God for. We need to grow into it. We need to fight for it. And it's a process. And you learn that by trying to obey. You get practical knowledge in how to forgive. And then once you actually do forgive, then you're set free because you don't carry that darkness with you anymore. Hallelujah, it's a great place to be. Praise God. I like freedom. Let's do the last one in our recap. 1 Corinthians 13.2. This one hit me like a ton of bricks last week. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, I'd really be something. (laughs) I mean, right? I could teach the Equip Conference all by myself. I could be really an important guy. Because I could fathom all mysteries. I could understand all knowledge and I could move mountains. And people would want to find out, how do you do that? Because I want to do that too. My breakout sessions would be packed. But it says here, but if you don't love other people, if you don't have the right heart while you're doing that, you're nothing. Is that true? It is true. We're called to be part of a loving family, not to do fancy things. We're called to love one another, We're called to walk through this mess together, encourage each other. If we can do things along the way, great. You know, preach the word, great. As you're going through life loving one another, that's how it's supposed to work. We're to love one another. And you know, that, that is expressed often very, very strongly in the entryway before and after church. Did you know that? Love one another. There are people that come to Good Hope Church to see if anyone will talk to them because they feel alone. And there are people that come to Good Hope Church and no one talks to them. There's a whole lot of people that come to church and people do talk to them. But man, I want 100%. Amen? 100%. What 100% would take is all of us looking around. You know, especially introverts. Introverts are highly skilled at noticing other introverts. There's someone over there like me that no one is talking to. I hope someone will talk to them. Guess what? Go talk to them. You're the one who noticed it. You're the one that God has shown that to. Go talk to them. The extroverts are all flitting around talking to all the other extroverts. Let them do that. They're good at that. They don't notice introverts. But the introverts will notice introverts. So go talk to them. They're 
you know, they'll feel good that you're just as scared as they are. And then they'll be like, oh, thank you for talking to me. It's big stuff. Love one another. This week, we're going to do the, the meta if to all of the specific ifs. And here's the title of the message. We've got a title today. What are you missing because you're resisting? Are there things of God that we miss because we resist? That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Let's deal with some new material this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for each person in this place, each one loved by you, each one you've got a plan for, each one you want to do something with this morning in our hearts, Lord, and in our lives. So, Lord, I pray you'd bless this time right now. Help us to grab hold of your truth and take a step forward in serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. What are you missing because you're resisting? A couple months ago, we talked about the woes of Matthew chapter 23 and how Jesus just tore into the religious people of the day. You know, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, he just publicly just railed on them for a whole chapter. If you wonder, Jesus was such a nice guy and he did wonderful things. Why did they want to kill him? Read Matthew 23. And you'll realize they wouldn't like him very much because he said really mean things. I mean, very strong things. They were true. And there was purpose behind it. But at the end of this just exposing the hypocrisy and all the messed upness of the religious world of the day, Jesus says this in Matthew 23, verse 37. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you... We're not willing. The Lord himself, the Alpha and the Omega, had a desire in his heart to gather the children of Jerusalem specifically, but certainly the children of Israel together to protect them, to bring them into a safe environment so they could grow to their fullness. He says, oh, I've wanted that but you weren't willing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't come in. God wanted to do something in the hearts of these people, but they weren't willing. They wouldn't let it happen. And so there was conflict. There was difficulty. There was battles. And they were not able to have what God wanted for them because they resisted. What did they miss out on? There are people in that group could have been among the disciples. They could have become apostles. I don't know if God had a secondary plan. You know, Jesus was going to be crucified. That was part of the thing. Who was involved in being on the crucifixion side and who was on the, you know, 
oh no, they're crucifying our Lord's side. That, I think, was up in the air. The Romans could have been used to crucify Jesus. I don't know that the Jews had to. He would be that sacrifice for sure. But here Jesus says, I want to bring you in. What did they miss out on? Then, of course, the question has to be, what am I missing out on? What are each one of us missing out on? What are we as a group missing out on? What is our nation missing out on? Because we resist God. What would the United States of America be like if we weren't resisting God? As a nation, we are resisting God. We are pushing God away. We, we don't like Jesus culturally. And our nation is changing because we are resisting God. What do you think the Lord wants to do with the United States of America? You know where it says on the money in God we trust. Not in money we trust, in God we trust. On the money. Oh, I think he wants to gather us in too. As a nation. He wants to do that for us as families. As individuals. As a church body. He wants to gather us in. And if we're willing then we can grab hold of the fullness of God's plan. But if we're not willing, if we're resisting, then we're going to miss out. How many of you, that I've got my focus on, it's early in the morning, I can still see well, you know. My eyes are getting older, but it's morning, so I can see real good. I can make eye contact, everything. How many of you have ever resisted God? (laughs) That would be everyone, right? I mean, like... The question would be, how many have resisted God every day of their life? You know, have you ever had a non-resisting day? You know, that would be the question because, you know, there's different types of resisting God, right? There's the Jonah running from God, you know, I will not do your will. I don't care if I get thrown into the sea, you know, I'm out of here. And then there's the little resistings. There's the little prompt, pray for so-and-so. Yeah, okay, I'll get to that. You never do. There's the little resistings. What if we didn't have the little resistings and we didn't have the big resistings? We just walked into the fullness of what God had. Oh, wouldn't that be something? How many people have, have thought, yeah, I should go down for prayer and then like, yeah, okay, I'll get some coffee. Oh, that's a little resisting. But what was it that God wanted to do that now you missed out on? I've got a friend uh, who can hear from God. It's an amazing thing. He only hears no from God, though. Uh, You know how you you try to discern what does God want me to do? And he'll be like, God, should I do this? No, I don't feel right about that. Should I do this? No, I don't feel right about that. Should I do this? Okay, I guess I'll do that. <laughs> he, he only gets no's, but he's one of the best at hearing from God that I know. And uh, he was driving home, and there was two routes to get home. And uh, he's driving his normal way and just got this check in his heart, like, don't drive home that way. Okay, well, should I go that way? Okay, so he went that way. And uh, as, he, as he's driving, a young man that we were praying for as a congregation was stuck in the ditch in the snow. And so he got out. Helped him out, had a nice conversation with him, you know, got him out of the ditch, didn't, you know, pray the sinner's prayer with him or anything, but, you know, it was a, it was a divine appointment. He got to be part of that. And then uh, 
A while after that, that young man was killed in a car accident. And uh, he thought to himself, I sure am glad I didn't drive home the normal way. I, don't, I, I did my piece. You know, I did the thing God told me to do. If he'd have just driven home, I mean, is it a horrible, horrible sin to drive home the normal way? No, not at all. But he would have missed that opportunity to speak into that young man's life, to do the thing God called him to do, to give him that opportunity, that moment. And he got to live that moment out. And then when the other things happened, we realized, well, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. What are we missing because we're resisting. We're going to go Old Testament. I can already tell I need to hurry because I'm going to preach till about 11 o'clock and then the next service people are going to be mad at me. We're going to go to Deuteronomy, which is where all the fun is. And we're going to talk about where Moses talks about how the nation of Israel responds to the law. Moses brings the law to the nation of Israel. He's like, here it is. You can either follow it or not. And he lays out the consequences. It's like the key if of the nation of Israel. If you follow this law, here's how it's going to go. If you don't, here's how it's going to go. The key if of of that uh, epic in history. But before it, is Deuteronomy 29, 29. It's such a fantastic verse. i got to preach on it before we get to chapter 30. Look at this thing. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Amen? Are there things you don't understand? The secret things belong to God. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just have to say, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know why it worked out that way. I don't understand. The secret things belong to God. And we have to come to peace with that. For me, I want to know the answer to every question. I want to know, and I used to be very uncomfortable not knowing. I'd walk around thinking, what if somebody asked me a question about God? I don't know the answer. They need to know the answer, and if I don't know it, they, ah, you know, I was very nervous about that. And then I finally came to peace with being able to say, you know, <laughs> I have no idea. God's real smart. I'm sure he's got it figured out. So that's what I say now. I still try to find the answer to the question. But if I don't have it, I don't feel bad. The secret things belong to God, but there are things that belong to us. Isn't that something? What belongs to us? But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That we may follow all the words of this law. He's talking about, of course, the Mosaic law. But the revealed things, now there are more revealed things than there were back then. The revealed things belong to us. The truths of God that have been showed to us in the revealed word of God belong to us. The secret things belong to God. These promises belong to us. These truths belong to us. These things in the scriptures are ours. Why did he show them to us if he didn't want us to have them? He's kept lots of secrets for himself. But he's revealed things that belong to us. Like if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That belongs to us. The revelation that the 
king of kings would come as a sacrificial lamb so that our sins could be forgiven and we could walk into everlasting life without fear because we know that we're made righteousness with the righteousness that's not our own has been given to us. It belongs to us. Oh, hallelujah for that. Isn't that an amazing verse? Understand, these truths belong to you. They're not ideas out there, religious concepts, whatever. There are truths of God that have been given to you. They belong to you. Let me ask you this question. It's a trick question, so say the opposite of what you're thinking. Was the Mosaic Law hard to follow? So you think it wasn't hard to follow? (laughs) I told you it was a trick question, so the answer is absolutely not. It was easy. According to the Bible, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 14. Was the Mosaic law hard to follow? Verse 11, Moses says to the nation, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. He's saying you can do this. It is not up in heaven so that you will have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. You may remember the Apostle Paul writing words very similar to this in the book of Romans. It's right here. You can obey it. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. You can do this. And that's the Old Testament law. When I read the Old Testament law, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of rules about mold. Like there's chapters on mold. That's, there's a lot of details in there. I get confused. You know, there's all kinds of different types of sacrifices, all kinds of different types of things you're supposed to do. Different, you know, you got to watch the moon to know what you're supposed to do and all these different things. Seems complicated to me. How about now with the new covenant? Is that too hard for us? I'll tell you what's hard. What's hard is knowing that the promises of the scripture belong to us, but never getting to take hold of them because we resist the things of God. And so we know what we should have, but we never get it because we're Walking away from God instead of embracing God. That's hard. But fully submitting to God, fully embracing the things of God, fully walking with God to the best of our knowledge, that's not hard. Knowing what that brings and not getting it because we're resisting God is a frustrating life. It's a difficult place to be. Let's just not be like that. (laughs) Isn't that simple to say? Let's just not be like that. It's a matter of faith. If I have faith that the things of God are good, then I will grab hold of the things of God. If I, however, believe that I do want to go to heaven, but the devil's way more fun right now, then I'm going to want to figure out, okay, how can I get as much of the devil now and still be able to get forgiven and go to heaven later? How, do I, how am I going to... And then that gets pretty complicated. But here's the deal. The devil's mean. He just wants to hurt you. You know? He's like a fisherman, too. 
There's always a hook in the worm. And the worm looks really good. But it's a scheme. It's a lie. You know, like the walleye that's like, oh yeah, look at that. I can't. This nightcrawler has been provided for me. Ah, you know, and then they, all of a sudden they're getting pulled up into the boat. Seemed like a great idea to bite the worm. And that's how Satan tempts us and, and pulls us into things. He wants to hurt us, but God is good. And so we want to grab hold of his things, and it's not so hard. Now, I say that because that's what the Bible says, and I believe what the Bible says. But I know as well as anybody else what it's like to resist God. I mean, we all do that. But it doesn't make any sense, does it? When we look at the nation of Israel, if should they have just fully embraced the things of God? Well, yeah, of course, it's easy to see from a distance, but... Now, when it's our lives and we've got to live it out, it seems more difficult. So we want to be able to fully embrace the things of God. And let's look at the big if that Moses presents to the nation of Israel when giving them the law and they're going to enter into the promised land. They're going to have to go to war. They're going to have to fight. And he continues, verse 15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Which one do you want? (laughs) I think it's a simple choice. You know, do I want salvation or condemnation? Do I want blessing or curse? You know, which one do I want? Which one did they choose? Well, they chose both at different times. Sometimes they followed the things of God. Then they, you know, the next generation forgot about God. And then they chose the other and got cast out. You know, they, they chose both at different times. I like life and prosperity. It's way better. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. That sounds really good. Next verse. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. That's pretty straightforward. How straightforward is our service to God today? It's just as straightforward. Submit to God, follow God, walk in His ways. He'll bless us and He'll encourage us. He'll, he'll do the things that, that we need, but if we resist, we'll miss out on things. It can be to the extreme extent of, you know, you refuse what Christ has done for you on the cross. Well, that's very bad. Or you miss the little things, the little obediences where you could have been a blessing to someone. You could have been the difference in somebody's life. You could have said hi to somebody who needed someone to say hi to them. Ooh, this is strong stuff. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I want to be there. 
I want to walk in the promised land. I want to live it out. Let's read the last couple of verses, 19 and 20. Moses is very straightforward. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. (laughs) Moses is just making it real clear. I'm setting a choice before you and I'm telling you which one to choose. Choose life. People want to choose disobedience and life. Moses is making it real clear. If you want life, you have to choose obedience. If you want the things of God, you have to follow the things of God. It's a frustrating life trying to choose disobedience and receive the blessings of following God. It just doesn't work. Moses says, choose life. And I love, he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. (laughs) So how many witnesses were there of the nation of Israel's decision? We're talking about it now, 3,000 years ago. On another continent. This, is, this made the news. Made the Bible. We can look at the different kings and the different times where they were obedient to God. When they rejected God. When they got restored. And when they uh, fell away again. We can watch all of that. Are there witnesses to what's going on in your heart right now? Well, let me tell you this. If there are angels in heaven that rejoice when one sinner repents, that means they're watching. And they can see what's going on. I can't see what's going on in your heart. But there's angels in heaven that can see it right now. And what are they hoping for? Just like Moses, choose life. Come on, guys. It's right here for the taking. They're rooting for, oh, if he would just let that go. Oh, if she would just grab hold of this truth. Oh, if he would finally just say, all right, Lord, I've had enough. I'm with you. They're cheering for you. They're rooting for you. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to close here in just a second. I'm going to read one more scripture. We're going to go through uh, Revelation 3. Let's read that. Let's read 14 through 22. The message to the church of Laodicea. It's great stuff. We're going to focus on verse 20. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Isn't that America? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich 
and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. We've talked about Jesus wanting Jerusalem to come in. We've talked about Moses talking to the nation of Israel. Hey, you know, choose life. This one says, if anyone hears my voice. This is for us. I'm in anyone. <laughs> Amen. You're in anyone. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. He pursues us. He comes after us. He is rooting for us. And he wants us to open ourselves up to let him in. Why resist that? Why resist worshiping God? Why resist entering into prayer? Why resist learning the word? Why resist saying the thing God showed you to say? He stands at the door and knocks. And anyone who opens it, he'll come in. If you're someone who's never decided to follow Christ never decided to give your life to Him, right now, you need to make that decision. Choose life. And if you're someone who has little resistances, little things you're holding back from God, what are you missing? Because you're resisting. Let's give ourselves to the Lord this morning. I'm going to pray. We'll pray together as a group. And then, whatever your need, come up and receive personal prayer if you if you know you need to get right with God come and pray so let's pray together first heavenly father we thank you that you are good lord that you are kind that you are loving and merciful lord and that you are mighty and strong that you hold this world in your hand lord you are you're bigger than that And Lord Jesus, you knock on our heart's door and we open up to you. Come on in. We yield to you. We know your ways are good. Show us your ways. Teach us your ways. Help us to follow you in obedience, knowing that that's the best we can have. Lord, we we break resistance off. We reject resistance. That spiritual darkness that pulls us away from you, we say, be gone. We love you. We open ourselves to you, Lord. Praise be to your name. And Lord, I pray a blessing over each person that's in this place. Lord, I pray your peace would be in our hearts. Lord, I pray that your joy, your light would be in us and shine so bright that it would spill out into our world, into our families, our workplaces, our schools. Lord, let it spill out into our world. So bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.